0: Good morning. I want to speak this morning and next week about the importance of finding rest to sustaining both a vibrant spirituality and to our emotional health and also how we can find rest in our lives to thrive through these restless times we find ourselves in. I said last week we have been built by God for rhythm. Why? Because God has a rhythm and we have been made in his image. Yet we live in an age where it is more difficult to find respite and where our restlessness is greater than ever before. We live in a world which is distracted, hurried, preoccupied, oversaturated with noise, where rest is seen as an indulgence, busyness has become a badge of honour, multitasking is seen as successful, we're forever on call and always interruptible. The words that are most associated with rest are guilty and deficit. And by the way, it's killing us. We're overstressed, resulting in health issues, physically, mentally, emotionally. And greater than all, it leads to spiritual oblivion. Rest is not a luxury. It's a necessity. It's essential. If you don't believe me or what God says in the Bible, believe Claudia Hammond. Last month, I made my first shopping trip into town for six months and spent some time browsing through the new bookshelves, the the bookshelves of the new books in Waterstones. Other booksellers are available. Amongst others, I came across a new book called The Art of Rest, written by Claudia Hammond. If you listen to BBC Radio 4, you may know her as the voice of psychology and mental health. She's also an award-winning author and psychology lecturer. The book was inspired by groundbreaking research she collaborated on called the REST test, which is the largest global survey on REST ever undertaken with gathering responses from 135 countries. In it, the book includes the top 10 activities people who took the survey consider RESTful. Here's the spoiler alert. I wonder what you would have chosen as your number one restful activity. The survey found it was, well I'll let you read the book. There's a big clue there. And it's to the book par excellence we turn this morning. To the book where we find rest for our souls like no other. We're coming towards the end of a series on what it means to be christ riding this thing that's been termed the corona coaster this emotional roller coaster we ride every day of highs and crashing lows and unforeseen twists and turns and no one really knows do they when we're getting off it as i read one quote recently even if we can keep the virus out we can't beat it it gets you one way or the other so to help us ride successfully through these days, we've been looking at how Jesus' words and practices, who, by the way, was the smartest person who's ever lived, so why would we not follow his advice? How he, they help us, how his words and how his practices help us to remain emotionally healthy and spiritually alive through this emotionally roller coaster that we ride. Each week, we're exploring an invitation that Jesus gives us in the Gospels That were so powerful and transformative to those first hearers and have been through the ages. And then what we're doing is we're rooting each of these invitations in an ancient godly practice. Which we can work out to through the week in the gym of our lives to help us to thrive through these times. Which is God's desire for each of us. Today's invitation from Jesus is from Mark's Gospel, chapter 6. The context is, earlier in this chapter, Jesus has commissioned the 12 disciples to go out in twos into the neighbouring villages of Galilee in northern Israel. In more ways than one, it was a real living by faith expedition because they took very little with them. And while they were out there, they proclaimed to all the need for repentance. They cast out many demons and they prayed for the sick and saw them healed. Now the disciples have returned from this successful trip. It's fair to say the atmosphere is therefore buzzing from all that's happened. But they're also drained. And they're so busy they haven't had time to eat. So Jesus invites them to come away with him. To a deserted place. By themselves to rest for a while. To a world which was restless and lacked respite before COVID-19 even more now when we are more easily tired stressed and overburdened and on edge according to our recent lifestyle survey we need rest Jesus's rest more than ever Jesus says to you and to me come away with me to a deserted place by ourselves to rest for a while what did Jesus mean? You see, the word we translate as deserted place is the Greek word "eremos." It can be translated as desert or wilderness or a deserted place or a lonely place or a solitary place, even a quiet place, therefore demonstrating, if you like, its wide array of meanings. The Greek word for rest is anapao. It means to stop, to recover to refresh, to keep quiet, to keep calm and the Greek word for a while is oligos in terms of time it means a a short time so Jesus is inviting us to come to a to a quiet place just for a short time to refresh ourselves. For those who might know the stories of Jesus' life in the gospels you may remember Jesus frequented the Aramis on a repeated basis You may remember after Jesus' baptism and before his ministry, he went off into the wilderness, the Aramos, for 40 days to pray and fast to enable him to defeat the devil. Or you may remember after day one of his ministry, Jesus got up very early the next morning while it was still dark and went out to a deserted place where he prayed. Or you may remember before Jesus chose the 12 disciples, he went off to another deserted place, a mountain to spend the night in prayer. Or you may remember, upon receiving the news that his cousin John the Baptist had been executed, Jesus gets into a boat and goes off to a deserted place by himself. Almost famously of all, on the night before he died, Jesus goes into the Garden of Gethsemane to find a solitary place to pray. There are other examples as well where we read Jesus would go off to a deserted place. But perhaps it's summed up best in Luke 5 and chapter 16, where we read Jesus would often withdraw to a deserted place and pray. You could make a case the busier, the more in demand and more famous Jesus got, the more he withdrew and went off to a quiet place to pray. The quiet place was the place Jesus found emotional equilibrium and spiritual succour and he makes this invitation to each of us today to join him to find rest for our souls sound appealing in our restless and lacking respite age in ordinary times never mind the extraordinary times we're living through so how do we find this quiet place with jesus this is where the ancient practices we've been looking at each week help us We call them practices because, by definition, they give us the power to be a different person and to do things that would not be possible in our own strength or by simply trying harder. They are mind-body habits, which are a means to an end, namely to help us to ride with Jesus, the Corona Coaster. In the same way that the purpose of a trellis is not to make a vine grow straight, but to produce grapes that produce, that give a rich, deep glass of wine. So, the purpose of these practices isn't to give us greater willpower, but to enable us to live a life full with Jesus. Jesus' practice of withdrawing to a quiet place to find rest has become known as the practice of silence and solitude. Over the centuries, the spiritual writers have found this practice is the most important yet the most difficult to implement. The writers also didn't separate silence and solitude, but saw them as interconnected. As Dallas Willard said, silence and solitude go hand in hand usually. Just as silence is vital to make solitude real, so is solitude needed to make the discipline of silence complete. My favourite definition of solitude is to waste time with God. There's a paradox if ever I heard one. There is no better person is there to waste our time with. Solitude is spending time alone with God and our own soul. But it's more of a state of mind and heart than a place. We might often think of solitude as isolation, whereas solitude is an actually a practice of engagement rather than escape. It's not a lonely place at all because it's an inner fulfilling place and a place where most of us feel most connection with God because solitude gets rid of the scaffolding we often use to keep ourselves propped up and hide behind. Yet that's what makes it scary to so many. is being alone without those props, especially with God. And yet that's what makes it so liberating, because we're free from those noises of society that will relentlessly mould us. It is silence which makes solitude a reality, because the mark of solitude is silence. And without silence, there is no solitude. That deep, inner silence of experiencing the silence of God that we crave so much in our hearts. It was Saint John of Clemachus who said, the friend of silence draws near to God. Whereas the antithesis noise is what C.S. Lewis reminds us in the screwtips letters, is what the devil urges us to follow. It's very hard to keep silent. Usually you will hear someone within 15 seconds. There are two dimensions of silence. External silence and internal silence. Our homes and our lives are filled with the whirring, buzzing, murmuring, chattering and whining sounds of devices and machines that in many ways have been designed to save us time. External silence is easy to achieve in theory because we just have to turn them off. Internal silence though is different because our hearts and our minds are filled with the whirring, buzzing, murmuring, chatting and whining sounds that go on in our heads and souls every day. Switching those sounds off is a different proposition altogether, which is why we practice silence and solitude. Some years throughout history are defined and are significant for some major event. We all know what 2020 will be remembered for. So too 2001, 1966, 1939. But 1939 was also the year one of the classic texts of 20th century spirituality was published. Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Within it, I've found so far my favourite definition of silence. It is waiting for God's word and coming from God's word with a blessing it is waiting for God's word and coming from God's word with a blessing beautiful in many ways it's a composite a complementary picture of that for that vision I introduced in week one of this series as we heard in our old testament reading from song of songs chapter eight verse five who is that it's you coming out of the wilderness, the deserted, the quiet place, leaning on their beloved, leaning on Jesus, hearing his word to you, letting you know his refreshing as his spirit breathes new life into you through time spent in silence and solitude with him and transforming your life. Here's what people will see in us according to a recent list I read from Pete Scazzaro of the benefits of sustained silence and solitude. And I'm just listing a few from a more extensive list. We'll know God in ways that can only happen in silence. We'll learn to listen to God in all of our life. We'll be transformed into Christ's image. We will grow in love and compassion for others. We'll be infused with a new level of courage to follow Jesus into the unknown. So let me leave you this morning with a few how-tos to get us started in practising silence and solitude daily. Next week I'll talk about extended periods of silence and I've put the links this morning on the church website. Step one is to set a time and find a quiet place for yourself. It could be morning or evening or throughout the day, whatever works for you. It could be somewhere in your home or somewhere outside where you won't get disturbed and try to be still. Step two, I often say, just begin with a short time, maybe two to five minutes a day. If you think, well, that's not long, try it and watch how the distractions come along. Step three is different practices you could use to help you in silence and solitude. You could use the breath prayer I introduced in week two or the examine I introduced in week four. I sometimes just wait and listen for God's voice. And then step four, remember this. As the disciples found out in this reading. Don't necessarily be disappointed by disruptions. Expect them and embrace them. It might be our mind wonders. It might be that we get interrupted by someone else. Stuff happens. Life happens. Just wait for the next time. You see, this is what happens in our Bible reading this morning, doesn't it? Imagine the disappointment of the disciples. Jesus invited them to go off to a quiet place. They're pretty tired and exhausted. Yet the crowds come and interrupt them. Yet it means that because the crowds come to interrupt them, that they get to participate in one of Jesus's greatest miracles, the feeding of the 5,000. Did you notice, though, what Jesus does next, after the crowds have gone? He goes off to another deserted place, a mountain to pray. And so shall we. You might want to just open your arms and your hands to receive all that Jesus might want to give you this morning. O God of rest, who invites all to come and know you in the quiet place, Pour into our restless hearts your grace. Reveal to us where we need your respite and guide us to find our rest in you. In Jesus' name. Amen.